Welcome to the second episode of We Walk the Earth, a Nodalab original podcast, produced by me, Sergio Isauro. The ship has sailed, and now there's only moving forward. I'm very thrilled to present this episode's guest, who is part of a lineage of spiritual teachers that dates back more than 5,000 years. She is a meditation teacher and founder of Meditation Without Borders, an NGO whose mission is to take meditation to unprivileged people who wouldn't normally have access to it. She also co-hosts Being the Change podcast, which touches diverse topics around meditation and spirituality, with the mission of creating a better world. Fellow walkers of the earth, let's welcome to the show Isabel Kioseyan. This is We Walk the Earth. Thank you for joining us. Meditation teacher. Yes. You taught me. <laughs> a few a lovely ago, student. And it has been super nice learning, but also seeing how it sneaked into my life mm -hmm. very kindly and very, very smooth. Yes. Um, first of all, I want to thank you. Of course. Which I already <laughs> did. And, and also, I, I would love for you to tell me a little bit about how did you come to this? Yes, of course. Um, I learned to meditate 10 years ago in 2011. And for me, meditation changed my life. It was before and after. And I love how you put it, like it kindly came into my life. But for me, before, before I started to meditate, my life was more of a mess. I didn't really know myself. I, I was partying way too much. Um, <laughs> smoking a lot of pot um, just because I had a, a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression and I just was feeling very lost in life and I was studying uh, in college uh, communications and I always looked for happiness outside of myself you know when this happens when this person likes me <laughs> when I get this job when I do this and when these things happened if they did It gave me a little bit of happiness, but it, it didn't really, it wasn't a sustainable happiness. So I, I knew that I had to tr try something different. So I, I left Mexico. I was like, the problem is Mexico. It's not me. <laughs> so I went uh, to live to Los Angeles. And even though my life changed on the outside, it was still the same. So I thought there's something wrong with me that I'm living in a beautiful place. My university is amazing. My classes are amazing. I go to the ocean every day and it's still the same. So meditation popped into my head. I don't know why. I didn't know anybody who meditated, but I knew that it was something I wanted to try. So I just Googled meditation and this site hmm. came up. <laughs> nice. And uh, and I got a, an email saying that I should come to an introductory talk on Vedic meditation. So I did, and I met my teacher, and 
I really liked him. Like he seemed like a, a cool human being, which I could relate to. And whatever he had that he was radiating this joy was like, I want what he has. And if he tells me that it's as easy as it is, I'm going to do it. And so I took the next available course. And before meditation, I had read all these self-help books and I went to, you know, these coachings on happiness and I understood the theory, but the actual experience I hadn't had. So once I started to meditate, it was like, oh, this is what everybody's talking about. <laughs> so I, I was finally able to, to feel it. And so I, I continued to meditate and I came back to Mexico. And even though Mexico was the same, my life was different. And so I started to love Mexico. I started to stop smoking pot, not because, oh, I'm a meditator and I'm so cool and pot sucks. I just didn't feel like I needed anymore. And so I, I felt like meditation brought me back to myself. Uh, when you say your teacher, you mean Tom? No, no, no. Um, my teacher's teacher uh, at that moment, it was Christian Bevacqua, who I think also put, put yeah, us into contact. Us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, Christian... He's amazing. He He's the one who taught me how to meditate and taught me all the advanced knowledge. And then Tom Knowles, he's the one who taught me how to become a teacher. So he's mm, okay. the top teacher for everyone. And now Christian is my colleague, even though I always feel like he's my teacher. <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you say about looking for happiness outside. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's very common. We yeah. do, I mean, I do it, you know, like with food, with a movie, with this, with that. With, yeah, it's like we are used to do it. It's a cliche, but I think we all need to learn how to meditate from when, when we are young. Yeah. Like in school, you know, mm -hmm. like it's, it's, it's an amazing tool. It is. You don't only like connect with yourself, but you also start connecting with what's around you. Yeah. Well, that's super beautiful. Yeah. And, and I think you touch on a very interesting thing because the more you're connect with yourself it's so easy to connect with other people or with other beings dogs trees whatever because if if you're stressed and you feel disconnected from yourself you can only connect with people based on the things you like like oh you like pizza me too you know <laughs> you like this movie me too but if somebody doesn't like the same things that you do then it's a little bit harder but when you you, you connect with yourself you you connect with people differently because You, you feel that connection with everything. So even if somebody doesn't have the same likes that you do, you can still find those unity points. And so it's so much easier to, to like people or to love people based on that. Yeah, I guess this is why we look at meditators or at like gurus or like these people mm -hmm. and, and we wonder like, why are they so happy? <laughs> I was looking at Tom's website yesterday. Mm -hmm. And there's this four minute video on how he became a meditator, I mm -hmm. think. And he says he's a household, I don't know how. Householder. Mm -hmm. Householder. Uh, and I really like that concept uh, because before I did really think like you had to go to a mountain in the Himalayas and just have one, uh, <laughs> like one gown and that's all you have. Yeah. And then that's the only way to achieve happiness, no? It's a, it's like an idea we put around meditation, uh, but it's not reality. Yeah. Um, you touch on some something so important on Vedic meditation because most of the meditation practices that we know come from monastic practices, you know, like Buddhism and all of these things. So 
there's so many types of meditation and they all work. And it's important to find the type of meditation that works best for you. And so Vedic meditation is amazing for people like us who, you know, have jobs and have family and have, you know, social events and partners and, and whatever, because it's designed for that. So for us, we live in, in fast paced lives. So sometimes if we try to do a meditation test, designed for monks, designed for people who live in a monastic life and who, you know, they don't have partners, they don't have these types of relationships, and their life is exclusively designed for for a monastery in which they don't have the kind of distractions and the kind of demands that we have. If we tried to do a meditation that's designed for those types of people, we'll get frustrated very quickly. Mm, (laughs) It's like, how am I going to shut down my mind if I'm thinking about all the stuff that I have to do for work. Mm-hmm. So that's why we we think that meditation is difficult and it's it's not it's not that it's difficult. You're probably not doing the type of meditation that's that's right for you. So some meditations because some people do them anyway and, and it works beautiful for them, but they tend to kind of lead you into more monastic lives in which it's it's more of a solitary life and our practice not to put down other meditations because they're all great, but um, our practice is a, is a householder practice in which anybody can meditate people with, with families and with jobs and all these things. And it's designed to be easy, you know, as the, the easier it is, the better you're doing it. So that's, that's the amazingness of this practice. And it doesn't mean that because you meditate, you're going to want to stop going, um, to parties or going to want to stop having relationships or, you know. Your happiness doesn't depend on that, as we were saying, but you want to experience that inner happiness in those experiences. So you'll enjoy them more. It doesn't mean that you don't want to have them. You will want to have them because you want to share that happiness. And as Tom says, you know, take that happiness on an excursion, but your happiness doesn't depend on that. So it gives you kind of a a freedom to experience happiness in a different way. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a very big and important job what, for example, uh, Tom and you and like other people are doing of bringing the right amount of knowledge from different cultures into our culture and like mixing it in the right amount, like cooking a nice dish, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, because yeah, we, like we are living where we have jobs, we have family, we have pets, we have mm-hmm. this, that, and we really need to find a, a middle point and like get the benefits from the tools Mm -hmm. and also i really i remember like when i went to your house for Mm -hmm. you to like teach me meditation um you you told us like the only thing you need is a chair like or like (laughs) i i i I don't know how you say it but like i really remember this because i i also before that i tried different kinds of meditations and i i used to be very i i don't know the word but like i really thought like I needed incense and I needed <laughs> to have like an altar and I did need this and I need to be in a quiet place and it's the other way around like just you just need yourself and like sit down and just go do it yeah uh, that's exactly it you don't need anything external you already have everything within so that's why you come into the course and just with this little sound that you repeat that's made for you and that's all you the technique it's it's very it's very easy to do so all you need is to sit down close your eyes and have you know your back supported but that's all you need so it's really a very friendly meditation because you can practically meditate anywhere if you can sit down and close your eyes 
you're going to be able to meditate. Even I have students meditated who meditate at music festivals. <laughs> I have students who meditate at pool parties. <laughs> so, you know, if you have somewhere where you can sit and close your eyes, you can meditate. You have this project, Meditation Without Borders. Yes. And I think it's super beautiful. Uh, I don't know if you can talk a little bit about it and, and how is it being accepted or welcome into mm -hmm. different spaces. It's this beautiful project, this, thank you um, for saying it, um, that I that I did with my partner in this. It's, she's called Kristen Van Devere. We studied together in India when we were training. And um, what we've discovered, unfortunately, is that a lot of these practices tend to be for the more privileged people. So, and it's something of... Um, you know, something that you do like, yeah, I go to the gym, I meditate, I eat healthy and all these things. And it's amazing that it's becoming more and more popular, but it tends to be for a very small percentage of, of people. So we see all this suffering in the world. And obviously somebody who who's thinking about how they're going to feed their children is not really thinking of meditation as a priority. It's like, that's the yeah, least of, of my worries. I need to to fix this but meditation would definitely help them. So we thought that we should bring meditation to the areas of greater need. And so this all happened um, when, you know, there was a, a crisis at the border between Mexico and um, the United States, and these migrants were being held hostage and all these things, and we were like, we need to help these people and it was very interesting because I'm from Mexico she's from the United States and we were like this is a meeting point we need to help so I was visiting her when the idea came about and we were like we should bring to everybody who needs it so it's like let's make meditation without borders and so we decided to do this project um as uh, this nonprofit organization where we were going to bring meditation to mm -hmm. And we have all these amazing projects, but then COVID hit. But we were going to do teach meditation here in prisons, uh, women's prisons. We already went to visit the, the women and told them about the project and everything. Um, we have this project in Africa. We're going to teach in, in a guerrilla sanctuary to the people in the mm -hmm. community in Guatemala in an orphanage. So we had all these amazing projects lined up and then COVID comes. <laughs> like no um so we got one project uh which was amazing in fucam which is um the fundacion de cancer de mama and you know breast cancer foundation uh, nonprofit here in mexico so that was a one project that we were able to do before covid hit and it was amazing because these women have been through so much um They don't have the means to pay for, for I mean, they get proper treatment in Fukam, but not the, um, the, that's the way that they have. Some women um, don't even know how to write. So we had this amazing um, group of about 30 women in different stages of their treatment. And they loved, loved, loved their meditation practice. Um, they were medit I still talked to a few of them and they're still meditating and it has helped them so much to get through through how hard cancer is and because you know the chemotherapy is also very hard on the body and so it, it's helped them get through the emotional stuff the physical stuff and to continue to to go through it and something really beautiful happened just as a little anecdote um, this woman came to my introductory talk uh, a few years ago and she couldn't take the course because she had cancer she got cancer and so you know 
uh, fast forward, I go to Fukam to teach and she's like, I know you. I went to your introductory talk and I couldn't take the course because I got cancer. And there she was and she was able to take the course. So um, it was so rewarding and amazing. And now because we couldn't teach, we decided to do Being the Change podcast from Meditation Without Borders. And so that's the way that we've been trying to kind of give a little bit more of uh, sharing. We want to we wanna try to rise a collective um, through anybody that that is that wants to. And so we're doing this while all the projects um, can can come about when COVID is over. <laughs> That's nice. It's a very nice way to do it. Yeah. Um, on, a, on the distance mm -hmm. also and like creating a community, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, one thing that I would love for us to talk about is the um, demystifying meditation mm -hmm. because it has so many layers. <laughs> it has so, so many layers. Yes, you can talk about the spiritual, mm -hmm. uh, which I think a lot of it comes from there. Mm -hmm. But as you told us when you taught us, and I really liked it because I I'm, I would consider myself spiritual, but I, I want to see things and feel things more like a science-y part. Mm -hmm. And all you talked about at the beginning was stress mm -hmm. and like managing stress. Mm -hmm. And like these people uh, in Mexico, U.S. border, these people in orphanages, it's not like you're trying to go to them and make them connect with their spirit and like this, <laughs> you know, like these things, uh, but like help them manage stress, mm -hmm. which literal physical stress is stored in our bodies. Mm -hmm. It's chemicals. And I think that's a big part of us who have a more Western life mm -hmm. understanding about meditation. Mm -hmm. It's just a really nice tool to manage stress. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the, the great thing about being a teacher is that you can, you you kind of make the course for the student. Like there's there's certain things that obviously you have to teach and do and all of these things, but there are people who are more interested in the science aspect. So you give them all the facts. <laughs> <laughs> how meditation makes you sleep better and how it makes you... Um, you know, rest more efficiently and all these stress there are people who are more interested in the spiritual aspect. Um, so you can kind of see mm. what what it is they they their interest is and, and teach them kind of in, in that way. But um, the amazing thing about about meditation is that it will work even if you don't believe in it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You cannot believe in it and it's gonna work. It's like when you run if you if you run every day, you can believe that your run is not going to help you, uh, you know, in, in your body, and it's going to help you anyway. So, you can help people um, find what it is that that they need. For example, a few weeks ago, a student came in, and all of her, you know, in laws, her political family, are my students, and so she was asking each of them like what did meditation do for you? And they all e each gave different answers. <laughs> she was like, what's it going to do for me? It's like, well, there's not one thing that's going to do for you based on whatever your needs are, based on whatever you've had in your life, your stresses, your traumas, it's going to help you heal that. So some people say it helps them sleep better. But if you already sleep better, it's not going to help you with that. It's going to help you in different things. So it kind of helps you balance whatever imbalance you have and it helps you return to you. Yeah, to your truest 
So exactly because a lot of people are scared. Like, oh, I don't want meditation to change me. Like, meditation <laughs> won't change you. I want to keep having tacos. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep, you know, my my pastor tacos, um, and it 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 it's it it's not going to stress is what changes you, you know, stress is what makes you more angry or more whatever. Meditation returns to to your essence, and if you enjoy tacos, you're going to still enjoy your tacos, which is some of the one of the myths that you were kind of talking about. People think that oh, if I meditate, I won't want to eat eat meat anymore and I won't want to and maybe go to a party or I won't want to have this it's like meditation is not gonna do that for you unless that's something that comes from stress mm. you know if you eat a lot because of stress it might help you eat less and that's going to be better for you but it's not that because you meditate all these things are going to change things that change are things that need to change anyway yeah. And so, and so, if you enjoy having your tacos, you're gonna still enjoy having your tacos, maybe even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when I came to your meditation course, mm -hmm. I was kind of in a rough patch mm -hmm. emotionally and with a lot of changes and a lot of like flying ideas and things and mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, I just wasn't aware of it. Mm -hmm. uh, at the moment and a lot of things happen no like a lot of things uh, have happened since then but one of the things that i noticed first like on the second day i played a song just any song i don't remember which one and it was like what is happening <laughs> yeah it might be a little exaggerated but it was like listening to music for the first time or like like it sounded when i was 16 years old i'm like what you know like <laughs> i'm like what's happening Uh, it was really crazy. It yeah. was really crazy. Yeah, that's um, amazing. Hmm. Amazing. Yes. And one of the reasons why that happens um, is because, for example, let's suppose that when you were young, you were listening to a song and something got you stressed. So even though you don't know it uh, consciously, unconsciously, you associate certain sounds with stress. Hmm. So what happens is you kind of lose... Um, you don't like your your senses dull a little with stress, and that happens with your eyesight, with your hearing, with your touch, with everything, and so that kind of dulls life, and so that's why sometimes that's what happened to me. That's why I needed to smoke pot to feel alive. Yeah, <laughs> like, I did. I did also <laughs> smoke a lot of pot. Yeah. yeah, and so I don't know if this was your case, but for me it was like I'm gonna smoke a doobie and eat and I'm just gonna enjoy the delicious food or just smoke and, and listen to music because it kind of made me feel alive because what happens when you do the, these psychedelic drugs, whatever they, they might be, they enhance your, your senses. So that's why we enjoy it. For me, it was like, oh, I feel alive when I do this. And so what meditation does is that when you release these stresses, your senses come back to the way you you're originally supposed to to experience them so that's what happened to you. you listen to music and once those stresses were gone you were like what is this and that's the way we're supposed to experience the senses but stress dulls them out so you start to feel alive in your regular life when when the senses kind of come back and also i still feel sad and i still feel so it's it's also embracing these other feelings it's not like ah, i started meditating four months ago and i'm happy all the time <laughs> it's not it's definitely not like that and i i like how 
Uh, I think you told us this, and I, uh, Tom also talks about it in one of his podcast recordings mm -hmm. or something, about how meditators have a bigger response to what happens around you, mm -hmm. but you don't keep that emotion for longer. And I've really, really experienced that. Like, I, I, I feel things, like, in a deeper level mm -hmm. but i i'm just i'm like ah okay then like, <laughs> like okay so what's next okay <laughs> let's keep on walking yeah because you're you're a lot more sensitive and and people think that sensitive means weak and it doesn't i don't i don't like uh when people when people say that but because your senses are are more there you you feel everything more and people think That, oh, if you're a meditator, you're just going to become a rock. If you don't feel angry, you're not going to feel happiness either. You're just going to not feel anything. And it's like, no, no, no. We feel everything more. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. um, because we're, we're more exposed to our feelings. If you're clean from stress, whatever comes, is it happiness? Is it anger? Is it sadness? You're going to feel it more. But the difference is, as you were saying, is that you, you recover faster. So... All the emotions have a reason to be, you know, it's not like anger It's important to be angry. Sometimes it's important to be sad. Sometimes we need to honor whatever is happening and we don't want to avoid these things. No, um, because they'll catch up with you eventually anyway. Um, but we want to feel whatever it is that we need to feel. The thing is, we don't want to stay angry. We don't want to stay sad. So you're going to feel it and you're probably going to feel it more as you were saying, but you'll recover more quickly. So maybe a sadness that would have lasted six months, that'll probably last you maybe a couple of weeks. You're going to feel it more, but for a short amount of time and you come back and the more you meditate, you you start to establish yourself in a, in a, in a more profound, deep, happy place in which you might... Um, go to one extreme, maybe be a little angry, maybe be a little sad, but you always come back to that that place of blissfulness inside. But you'll feel everything and you'll feel it more. And that's the beauty of life. Yeah, it's a recurring topic for me in, in these last few months. We have to really learn to see sadness, uh, anger, and just like look them in the eyes and, and ask ourselves, why is it there? Uh, maybe we don't even find out why is it there. It's just there. and But You don't want to go order a large pizza to forget about it, about it which I've done many me times. Me too, me too. <laughs> it's, it's nice at that moment, but it's not very sustainable. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, And so even one of the techniques um, that, we, that we do sometimes, um, like I was talking to one of my students yesterday and she's having a hard time and she's feeling very... Um, very very sad and so what i what i told her to do is like of course you know if you need your pizza have your pizza uh, we want to nurture and love ourselves and and the, those things help but i told her feel the sadness feel it really feel it in your body where is it in your body mm -hmm. and give it all your attention and when you do it's it's kind of soothing like oh i'm feeling it and then Uh, it's like when you when you fall and you you know hit your knee, you're gonna rub it. You give your attention, and you rub it, and it feels better. It's like you're doing that, but with your consciousness. So it's like, oh, I feel sad. So go to that place in your body, give it attention, give it light, and you're gonna feel a little more, and then it'll start slowly start to go away. And it's like, oh, so feelings are meant to be felt, but the good thing is that it'll pass. It'll pass. So feel them, live them. What is it teaching you? And, and meditation helps you be a little more aware of that. 
and and recover faster and go on because the problem is not that we get stressed stressed is a natural response of the body it's a biological impulse so we we it's okay to get stressed we just don't want to stay stressed and that's what happens with most of us we carry all these emotions oh when i was five years old you know when i was 15 this person broke my heart and it's like okay well you're you're 30 now you can let that go (laughs) (laughs) but we don't even know how we we can understand these comps like okay how but that sadness is deep within you you know on a chemical cellular level and so meditation is like let it go when you Mm. reach those deep levels of stress that stored sadness is just going to leave your body yeah it's also very interesting it just popped into my mind the what you told us about our body being designed uh, as we needed them to be 8,000 years ago or mm-hmm. 10,000 years ago or something where we were being chased by a tiger or <laughs> like a, some predator. Uh, and it's very, it's a really crazy thing to think about. Mm-hmm. But then it's things start to fall into place when you're ah, like, I'm still kind of a monkey. And we're st- like, I'm still, you know, like if, if yeah. my boss at work yells at me, it's gonna really stress in me, which is good because I needed it that to survive. But now I'm not running away from things. Because as you were saying, our body is designed for, you know, thousands of years ago. And even though society has, you know, is modern now, our body still functions that way. And it's very hard for our brain to understand something that it's truly putting your life in danger versus as you say your boss is yelling at you so even though you might understand like okay it's this is silly like i shouldn't be angry because of this it's very hard to control because your body is like okay this is something that is a stress for you so your your body is like run away so it starts to send all you know all the um, stress chemistry in your body and and you and you're gonna get stressed even though you know it's stupid but you have a biological impulse. So this is the problem with, with with our lives now. We constantly have all these demands and our body thinks it's a tiger. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so it acts in the exact same way. So we're very, very, very stressed. And so and so before, uh, sleep used to be the way that we would recover. But nowadays we have so many demands that uh, sleep is not enough. Some people even have so many demands that they can't even sleep. They have insomnia. So nowadays, um, meditation is is the most powerful tool to um, to help us release all those extra stresses that we have because our brain just doesn't know how to differentiate in between my boss is yelling at me or you know I a tiger is eating me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels really nice to see all the different types of meditation like going mainstream. Yeah, like people are getting into it. Yeah, maybe you go into it because, like you said earlier, no, like the mm-hmm. the checklist. Like I, I go to the gym. I'm mm-hmm. a vegetarian. La la la. <laughs> I meditate. I, I it kind of arrives through there for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but it's good. It's you know? absolutely like, so it, yeah. That collective consciousness is is more conscious. Like these days, like mm. even when I learned how to meditate, I like the the level of my questions was so bad compared to my students. Like, and even like when they when they put his lectures of of on Maharishi from the sixties and seventies, you know the the lectures are from the teacher. I mean from you know uh, teacher conventions and the teachers asking those questions, which were the most advanced people at that time ask super simple questions 
And so you can actually see how the collective is rising and how meditation has come on, become a necessity and people are more and more conscious because we've, we need it in our lives. So you can see that turn even when I started teaching and now my students are, the more time passes, the more advanced they become and the more advanced our group meditations become because the the consciousness is truly rising hmm. and it's it's great because more people are meditating so it's good that it's in fashion <laughs> yeah yeah tom talks about it with like neurons in mm -hmm. the brain like if one neuron triggers some impulse or thought or something mm -hmm. and then you get so many to follow that mm -hmm. then that could trigger like a, a big change and then he relates that to like people meditating no like getting certain amount of people to meditate and that will raise consciousness our vibration mm -hmm. our connectedness um, yeah yeah and i'm sure that um people feel it from you, you no know, you were saying before we we started recording how When people ask you, you know, oh, you know, so how has your meditation helped? And you're like, oh, it's actually done this and that and that. And you kind of don't even realize. But I'm sure that people that ask you is because they see a change in you. <laughs> so sometimes we even normalize our own our own stuff because as you were saying it's very subtle. You know, it's, it starts very, very subtle. And then when you look back, it's like, oh, well, I had had all of these changes. But people who are not used to seeing you every day, when they see it's like, oh, Sergio is... You know, he's he's changed. There's something different. Like, he looks different. He feels different. What did you have for breakfast today? <laughs> <laughs> give me, give me that. And so, and so people can feel it and you inspire people. And when people are around you, I'm sure that they feel, they feel good when you're around you because you, you radiate that. That happiness that you feel when you meditate, you establish yourself in that. So people, when they're around you, they feel nurtured and they feel like they rise when they're with you because that's your that's your state your yeah. natural state i remember you told us about uma your mm -hmm. dog uh <laughs> going and like laying down near you when you're meditating it was really funny and then i went and yes like the cat will come and just sit down mm -hmm. in my legs every time every time every time it's nice i just remember that the first few weeks after we did the course um i was <laughs> in this very preachy um uh, like everyone should meditate <laughs> mode i was just telling everyone yes yes like you should go go do it go do it and now it like kind of faded away a bit like also i, I think i was being too pushy and <laughs> and it also maybe six years ago if someone will come to me and tell me that i will say like oh, okay this guy mm -hmm. um very preachy yeah. very crazy it's <laughs> also uh, sorry no sorry no but i'm sure you planted a seed and what's gonna bring people is is your how how when they see that change it's like mm. wow this is true But I feel you. I've 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 been preaching it so long, <laughs> <laughs> so I I understand where you're coming from. And then you yeah. kind of let it go. Understand that people will come when they're ready. Yeah. The, another thing that I've been uh, fumbling with in my mind is this, because before these last few months, I really thought like, ah, you can meditate doing anything. You can meditate while dancing. You can meditate while <laughs> like I make music. So if I grab the guitar, I'm meditating, and I think there's a misconception around it. Uh, yes, obviously, if I grab the guitar, I'm, I get super relaxed and I express myself, which is super nice. Mm -hmm. If I'm dancing, it has a lot of benefits. It, it gets me there in mm -hmm. the relaxing, channeling my energy. If I'm angry, I would move more angrily or, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, it Yes, these things do help and we should not stop doing them mm -hmm. because they're like a big part of us. 
but it's not the same, you know, like this idea of, of deep rest. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you don't go into deep rest when you're dancing. Uh, <laughs> it's really fun and I really like it. Um, but when you experience it for the first few mm -hmm. times, you're like, wow. Mm -hmm. it, it's even feel like you had a drug or something, you know, like a psychedelic. <laughs> you're like, what is happening? Yeah. And that's why I smoke. I started. I mean, I stopped smoking pot because I felt so good that when I smoked, it was like it lowered what I was feeling. It's like, I don't need pot anymore. This feels better. Yeah. And 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 yeah, it's 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 so true because people, as you were saying, are like, oh, like running is my meditation. It's like you do enter these like trans states, you know, when you're I'm sure when you're making music, you do enter. I don't know if you've seen the movie Soul. Yes, it's amazing. It's yeah, really it's very, it's very beautiful. So I imagine you when you when you're playing guitar, you kind of enter into these trance states. That that does happen. That's true when you run, when you do these things. But as you were saying, it's not the same as meditation, because it does help you kind of be in the moment and be present and all these things. But it doesn't lower your stress. It um it doesn't really help you clean out all those toxins in your body. And what happens is that these things that we do put us in the present moment but sometimes we we become kind of dependent on them and so what meditation does is that when you meditate and you establish yourself in the state you'll feel this trance like mindful states outside of meditation that's kind of like the gift you go inside but all the benefits you feel them inside and there's kind of like these mindful Uh, exercises in meditation where it's like well when you dance like be aware of the music be aware of you know what you're feeling and what you're smelling and what you're seeing and they're great but after a while it might be like I just want to dance like I just want to enjoy myself and you gotta let these practices go but meditation helps you be mindful um, because you feel this happiness inside and so when you dance you enjoy it more and you these translates you enjoy them more you enjoy your running more and you can enjoy even You can be mindful even that, like in the most mundane thing. Like mm. I'm cleaning my apartment and I feel this mindful state with me all of the time. So you, it, your meditation is actually not the same, but it'll help you enhance all of the all of your normal life. Yeah, another thing that took me a little while to realize is that meditation would not always feel nice. <laughs> The first few, the first few weeks, it was like, ah, I'm going to this bliss uh, spot. Uh, everything's so nice. It feels so good. And then, and I remember you telling us about this. You know, like sometimes you're gonna feel the stress. You're gonna because you're releasing it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I was like meditating and feeling kind of stress. And I think even the mind starts releasing some thoughts mm -hmm. uh, or traumas or something. And I would get a combination of anxiousness, my hand pulsating or something. Yeah, yeah. And then like these thoughts about like insecurities from high school. I'm like, <laughs> what is happening? You know, like this is not what I signed in for. <laughs> But then you go out of it. I mean, you finish your meditation and it's like, ah, it's like you're waking up from this really nice night of sleep yeah. or something. <laughs> and I can feel it. A few weeks ago, I could feel after meditation, I would get like cranky and like <laughs> I'm like okay something's coming out I'm just gonna take it as it comes it's coming out and yeah like a few hours after that it will be fine mm -hmm. um, it's yeah. not there anymore as I explain it to people it's like this is what I felt no when I started meditating like I I'm carrying a, a backpack and I, you're putting like little stones in the backpack and it, it's okay <laughs> like you you put one little stone you find here you 
you find there and this is the stress but after 32 years mm -hmm. it's pretty heavy uh, mm -hmm. and then it just helps you release a little bit a little bit of weight 10 grams every yeah. every day or whatever and it's nice because it does feel like you're walking lighter yeah yeah that's exactly i'm gonna steal your metaphor for my future courses <laughs> <laughs> But that's exactly what's happening. And so um, that's why I, I always warn my students because people, they have like a certain expectation of what meditation should be like. It should be no thoughts and all bliss and everything's amazing. And it's like, you're going to have dark meditation. <laughs> Warning, dark meditation's coming. I've cried in my meditation so many times. Wow. Um, and and as, as we, you learn... It's it's not that meditation is making you sad or it's not that meditation is making you angry or anxious. It's that you at one time in your life, you felt that and that has stayed in your body. As we were saying, you stay stressed. Those chemicals stay in your body. And so there's a point in which you reach these deep levels of, of rest and you release that. That's biologically what happens. Um, it's 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 entropy. So you release these and as you know, you feel them when they come in and you feel them when they come out. Not always, but sometimes you'll feel um, so sometimes you won't even know why you're angry um, in your meditation. It's like it's because it's not some, we usually uh, know what's causing us anger. And when we're unstressing, that's the term. There's nothing that's provoking your anger because you're just letting that anger out of your nervous system. So as you say, it's like taking the little stones out of your backpack And so you might feel that in your meditation, but you come out of meditation. And sometimes you'll feel it lingering outside of meditation, as you were saying. It's just your body kind of getting used to um, that coming coming out. But once it's out, you feel, as you said, lighter and happier. It's like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. So I always tell my students, it's not how you feel inside of meditation. It's how you feel outside of meditation. So they're like, I'm not going deep. I'm having this. I'm having that. And then it's like, but how are you feeling in your regular life? Well, actually, now that you mention it, I do feel great. And it's like, well, that's that's the point because we don't meditate to be great meditators. We meditate to enjoy life more. And that's the whole point of anything anyway. Yeah, I wanted to also ask you about the fact that a lot of your students are women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I remember you saying something about this. And for me, it's it's been very, very interesting to see Like going into these spaces that are kind of designed for you to get in touch with yourself and um, yoga places mm -hmm. or or retreats or or like any kind of this kind of space, uh, a lot more women are just reaching out for this. Um, yeah, it's so interesting and so beautiful. It's so interesting, and I at first I thought that because I was a woman, I was just attracting more female students, um, but then. As I talk to more of my colleagues, it's it's a trend. It's worldwide that this is happening, and so this wasn't um, this wasn't like this like in the '60s and '70s. I talked to Tom about it, and he was like, most teachers were men at that point, and so there was kind of like an unbalance. Um, there was more uh, consciousness among among masculine energy. And um, and females were kind of left aside. And this has been going on, you know. And so now there's been a change. So women, there's a rise in, in female consciousness and it's all over the world. And it's so amazing because 
this this unbalance is starting to get balanced so so many more women are are keen to be brave and go inside and rise a collective consciousness and and female energy is is amazing because it's very nurturing it's very loving and everything but don't mess with a, a woman because the when it's when it's intense it's intense Cali. a cali exactly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the loving mother that will slay you exactly with well, her yeah. with her mala with you know heads with of heads. men and yeah. your her skirt with hands of men and you don't want to mess with cali and so it's it's been so interesting in my teacher training we were 10 women and two men wow and this last year it was all women So it's it's amazing to see women kind of finally rising into their power and and it's very interesting I think for men also to see their role in this. I don't know if you want to speak about how you've experienced it as a man, but it's it's very interesting to kind of see them adapt and how if women are rising, they have to rise their collective consciousness to meet them. And so I think it's a very interesting time. Yeah. For me it feels very natural and nice. I don't know. I think I've also grown up uh, like really really appreciating the feminine mm -hmm. energy and i realized a few weeks ago that most of my friends are women mm -hmm. so i think there's something in me that feels uh, comfortable or at, or or something i don't mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. um i think it's nice so you think at least this tipping point has you know like we already yeah went through the threshold of of at least the te the amount of teachers yeah i i think it's still gonna continue very yeah. very much i think we're just starting to notice it okay um because a few years back maybe uh 10 years ago teacher trainings were more half and half okay but just it's it's very recent that this is happening and so in the vedic perspective uh female energy is Because women have kind of like history and, and the, the yuga, which is like the time period that uh, Veda classifies. We're right now in Kali Yuga, which is uh, the age of ignorance. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> you hadn't well, noticed it before. <laughs> and so one of the one of the things that happens in Kali Yuga is that women are there's violence towards women. And so uh, women have to have kept quiet um to protect themselves and we've seen this so much um but the good thing is at the end of kali yuga it's you know it's it's the dawn of the age of enlightenment people are starting to wake up and so women traditionally in the vedic um perspective they have infinite organizing power and men have more um knowledge and so that that they, they and they complement each other but um now women are starting to rise into their into their power No, the this violence of women we've seen it in Mexico so much, but women are starting to to rise, to talk, to not allow it, and so it's it's I think it's the starting point, but it it has a lot more time to continue to evolve and see what happens, and and I think it's it's a very great time to live in to see what's what's mm. happening, mm -hmm. and so we we don't want Kali to be too aggressive, but if it comes to that, we've seen it. Women are rising to yeah, the protective to... mother exactly you know like you don't want your little babies to get hurt so you like <laughs> rise up and get angry and it's perfect exactly uh, there's this book have you heard about mirabai star no 
So she's this really amazing scholar and author from the States, and she's been teaching theology in mm -hmm. New Mexico for like mm. many, many years. And she has this book called Wild Mercy. Mm. Um, and she goes through many of her female inspirations, like deities, but also mm -hmm. her friends and like ah. Virgen de Guadalupe and Cali and yeah. like throughout like these different images and uh, women like mystics mm -hmm. and really the mystifying like feminine is also uh, is only nice mm -hmm. and nurturing like there's like this big range of qualities to mm -hmm. feminine energies um, yeah it's super nice I really recommend it I'm gonna um, I'm gonna yeah. look into it it looks very interesting yeah 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 and I wanted to ask you um also we, I say we, like in the more Western uh, context, mm -hmm. we polarize everything. Mm -hmm. So we we say feminine and masculine, no, mm -hmm. and like two things. Um, I haven't been to India. I'm mm -hmm. not like I haven't done like tons of research on the Vedic uh, perspective of things and stuff. But how does it work um, there? Is it like more of a spectrum, or is it not very polarized? In terms of female and masculine, we all have both. Um, all, all of every being, everything has masculine and feminine energy, but you tend to have one that is a little more um, expressed. Mm -hmm. And so, so it, it actually it's very interesting because your your physical attributes don't necessarily correlate to the energy we we all have met women who have more of a masculine energy and men who have more of a, f a feminine energy and so the vedic perspective they've mm. had these for years they're like not surprised at all and so it's very interesting because also it's not a balance of two and vedic perspective is a balance of three okay so it's it's three energies that actually keep the balance and govern absolutely everything so for example in a relationship between two people it's not just Two, there's three beings in the relationship. It's you, it's the other person, and then the relationship itself. As a, a different entity. Exactly. And so the relationship itself also has a life of its own. And so it has, it can get sick, it can get better. Mm -hmm. And so even if some somebody dies or drops their body, um, the relationship can still continue. So it's always a balance of three. And it's in, in the most basic terms, it's creation, maintenance, and destruction. And so we always think like good or bad. And, you know, the Veda doesn't think like that. It's not good or bad. It's like it, what we think bad in the Vedic perspective, it's like, well, it's destruction. But destruction is removing everything that's no longer relevant to make space for creation, something that is more relevant. So when something is it's it's been there too much and there's too much maintenance, destruction has to come. It's it, it's like this is this has no relevance for anybody anymore. Let's remove it and something good. So this thing of bad, it's like it's not bad. Something good is happening here. We need to remove that to bring about space um, for something that is more appropriate for the level of consciousness, either of a person, of an entity or whatever. So it's beautiful because it's you you kind of understand that everything has the proper balance and everything is that is as it needs to be so you kind of just relax and enjoy <laughs> so so here in in uh well now in kali yuga we're kind of destroying what we don't need to build something new would that be a a way to look at it yeah it, it's it's one way to look at it i think kali yuga, as you said it is the age of ignorance so 
at the end of Kali Yuga, there's like ignorance and destruction and wars and all these things which we which we live. Even though Kali Yuga is 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 the the time of fire. That's why you know global warming is is happening. It's um, it's something that that's true. So it needs to get really bad before it gets yeah. it gets to be. It's like a movie. You know, it's like everybody's gonna die, and then and then something happens. So, so it's like the universe sees it's like a play and display of the universe, it's like a play, and so it it has to get bad before it gets good. So we still have a long way to go, but it's the age of enlightenment. People start to suffer so much that they need an out. It's like when you're dreaming, and but then you have a nightmare. It's so bad that you wake up. It's like, this is awful. I need to wake up. And so you need a nightmare sometimes to wake up. And so when people are dreaming, they'll just stay dreaming. So this is the time of kind of like the, not to scare anybody. but <laughs> <laughs> It's coming. <laughs> but yeah. when things get bad is when you, when you wake up and you're like, okay, mm. what needs to change? Yeah. And so that's Kali Yuga in, in essence. It's, it's, it's activating uh, people for them to wake up so that we can change the narrative yeah. of what's happening. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I will dare to say that it's also important to realize that, yes, there is like a general big like macrocosm timeline, mm -hmm. for example, but there's also it's also been happening since a long time and it's going to keep on happening. So it's like a big process. Um, and every probably every city has uh, its own Kali Yuga within the big Kali yeah, Yuga, right? And absolutely. every family, every community, every planet, I don't know. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we're very used to the Hollywood um, viewpoint of like one timeline and one ending and one beginning and one, but it's like all intertwined. Yeah. Of course, you, you're you already very Vedic, even though you haven't been meditating <laughs> for that long. <laughs> you get this. <laughs> But and I think that's something that happens with artists, you know, because and I always say this, like Vedic stuff is not necessarily from, you know, it's us and nobody else has like Vedic means truth in Sanskrit. And so Vedas is truth that comes from the heart. And so when you're honest with yourself and you, you connect with yourself, you're already Vedic in your way of living. And, and you know, you as an artist and, and I've, I've seen this with my students. Um, it's, it's, some people have it naturally. Some people need a little extra help, but I've seen that artists are very, they, they get it and they get it very quickly because they're constantly checking with their heart, their intuition. And so they're already very Vedic. Um, and so they, when they meditate, they're like, you know, <laughs> let's get going. And so, um, this, what you said is very advanced and it's very impressive that you just kind of already uh, this is a phrase that Tom always uses but I love it. it's like still amazed yet not surprised <laughs> <laughs> I love it and so yeah yeah you're already very Vedic we're all very Vedic when we listen to our hearts but meditation helps us listen to that a little more That was Isabel Kiyoseyan, who teaches meditation in Mexico. If you want to find out more about Vedic meditation or find a meditation teacher near you, please go to the show notes of this episode. 
where you will also find links to Isabel's projects and more. At the end of each episode, we will feature a poem in a section we call Poetry Forest, made in collaboration with Virginia Villar. Today, V shares with us You Remind Me of the Sea, written by herself. You remind me of the sea, slowing down the light, reinventing sounds. You remind me of its sparkles. You are open water during a storm. The only option is to dance with the waves. You remind me of the fragility of the surface, the depth of the truth. You are foam in movement, the force of a tide, the abandonment to the current. You are the vulnerability of the superficial and the strength of time. You remind me of the sea. You Remind Me of the Sea was written by Virginia Villar. You can find a link to more of her beautiful work in the show notes of this episode. Please take a look and support her. We Walk the Earth is a Nodalab original podcast. It's produced by me, Sergio Isauro. The music in this episode was produced by Tejedor. Executive production by Jorge González. Poetry Forest is made in collaboration with Virginia Villar. Please subscribe and share this journey with people you love. Thank you for listening.